I live in Israel. This season is dedicated to the memory of the 1,400 of my countrymen who were massacred on October 7th, and the 240 people that were kidnapped and are being held hostage by the terrorist organization Hamas. Hopefully they will be returned to their families as soon as possible, and hopefully this terrible war will be able to come to a peaceful end very soon. Welcome to Minute 71 of Season 6 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we take a Capra-esque journey through the 1946 classic, It's a Wonderful Life, One Minute at a Time. I'm Rob, and joining me today, and hopefully all week, is Richard Dunham of the Ghibli Minute and the Acura Minute. Did I get that right? Hee-haw, howdy, Rob. Yeah, that's (laughs) correct. Okay, All right. I'm glad. I'm glad I got that right. That that's uh, it's important. You know, you don't want to you don't want to piss off your your guests uh, within the first minute. You no, know, you yeah, want to you want to wait a little while. We had that debate. Yeah. The first episode of Akira Minute, we had that debate. Are we going to say Akira <laughs> in the English pronunciation? We would say Akira like in the Japanese. So we we landed on Akira. What what does what does it mean actually in Japanese? Akira is uh, it's just a it's a name. Right, so it's a it's a proper name, like uh, so, Akira Kurosawa. Right. Exactly, like Akira. Yeah. So it's usually the character is usually uh, means like bright, uh, is the way is kind of the, but uh, it can be different, written with a lot of different characters. Okay. Very cool. So minute seventy one begins with Potter still uh, continuing along with his pitch. And ends with Potter trying to reassure George that he knows who he really is. So we, we ended things on Friday with, uh, you know, George being summoned to Potter's office, which, uh, you know, he, he wasn't really sure why he's being brought there or whatever. I, I, I just still find it very strange that, you know, George uh, just shows up. at Like, he throughout the entire movie, he hates Potter. Yeah, why, why, would, why would he... Why would he, Why would he take that call? Why would he take a meeting? Yeah. You know, it's like. So can like, you can you step back and kind of uh, paint the context a little bit for me? So, uh, uh, so what is what's happening? I know that this is after some accountant visited Potter and said, "I'm going to be, you know, someday I'm going to ask George Bailey for a job." But that's right. Is what is. Was there some other event in George's life, or is this like well, not necessarily uh, like in George's life, from... not really in George's life, but but we saw that George last week was uh, dealing with Martini's uh, home. You know, Martini, the oh, Martinis okay. were moving into their new home, and oh, okay. and then we had to cut to to Potter's office. You know, with uh, with his okay. young accountant so we who had, doesn't we look kind young. Of established. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, young man. That's right. We we've established yeah. that that Potter realizes that George is is not as dumb as he might think he is, as as Potter might think he is. You know, he he is. So we lo- we saw with with he's, has a business home. Mind. We saw the development of Bailey Park, right? We saw Correct. it with our own mm-hmm. eyes, and now we see. And then we saw this accountant say, "Hey, here's the plans for Bailey Park, and it's really something that you should be worried about." That's right. To uh, to Mr. Pop. Yeah. 
Okay. okay. That's right. And and so Potter was getting getting concerned, and then Potter, uh, you know, tries this idea, which we will talk about for most of for maybe half of this week, um, of trying to basically, uh, I, I guess, pull pull George over to the dark side, <laughs> for lack of a better phrase. <laughs> You know that, that that's more or less what it seems like. You know, and so he 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 started at on on Friday buttering George up and uh, you know trying to to explain to him that uh, you know I I like where your mind goes, but you're you're doing the wrong thing. You should be you should be here. You know, and he smartest one in the crowd, mind you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. That's that, one of my I mean, favorite lines. That's right. This is, yeah. I mean, Potter knows his uh, psychology. There's no question about it. You know, he he knows how to. Uh, what, what, what's the phrase? Uh, uh, how how to uh, how to make friends and influence people? So I think Potter just likes the idea of how to influence people, not necessarily make friends. You know, he he doesn't care about George. He cares about being the sole provider. And the only person in all of uh, uh, what he hopes will become Pottersville, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that anyone who needs him needs will run to him, that there's no one else who's going to be able to save them. And he sees George as a threat, which is so ironic because George well, doesn't look at himself as a threat. That, when you say how to win friends and influence people that uh, I, I just uh, I just looked up. That's, a, you know, the book by Dale Carnegie mm-hmm. actually was published in 1936, which is about when this scene takes place. Correct. We're, we're not really sure exactly what year this scene takes place. It takes any I, I, I assumed that it's somewhere between 1933 and 1935. You know, we're, so we're, it could be 36. Had, it is uh, possible. It's, it's somewhere in this speech. Uh, Mr. Potter says that. George is a young man of 27 or 28. And in one of the timelines that I found. Well, George was born in 1907. Uh, 1907. Right. So this would be 1934, 1935. Exactly. Something like that. Yeah. Exactly. Again, that's, it's, 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 it's a guessing game. You know, that's, that's, that's one of the reasons why I love doing this. It's the idea of, of trying to, uh, give explanations for things that that people just take take for granted when you watch a movie like this. You know, let, we, I want there to be facts. Let's try to you know establish what year this is and stuff like that. So, you know, like we knew that the run on the bank. Uh, well, let's put it this way: if if you go back a little bit, so 1932 was when Harry came back and basically told George, "You're stuck here." So, okay. um, so. George meets um, Mary in the summer of 1932. You know, that's when she's home from from school. And then at that point, they they start courting. So it's a question of, you know, how long do they court for before they get married? And then, you know, they have the run on the bank on on the day of their wedding. And then afterwards, you know, they're together for however long. I mean, we'll 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 deal with it later this week uh specifically yeah. you know about uh um the uh, progress of their relationship the progress their of their relationship yeah. and and also the idea that there is uh, apparently no birth control in in whatever year this is taking place you know that's one of the things that you know it's it's a guessing game so 
basically, uh, the, talk about it. my yeah. assumption is it's around 1934-1935. Again, when when Potter says, you know, a young man of 27-28, he isn't, um, you know, he doesn't know that for a fact. He's, he would have, because if he knew a fact, he would have said a young man of 27. So he's he's using a guessing yeah. game, but the fact that George doesn't correct him, like he corrected yeah, yeah, him exactly. about how much money he was making a week. So the assumption is, is that he's right. It's either 27 or 28. You know, who knows? Maybe this was George's birthday. You know, <laughs> anything's possible. <laughs> you, you almost think that Potter has like, you know, a catalog of like the birth certificates for everybody in the town. So, so the more information, the more he can use it to manipulate people or something like That's that. That's right. That's right. He has, but he, he, did, he didn't have he didn't have that file open on his desk yet. Well, he didn't need to. He memorized to it. Secretary, you know, he's he's got it all memorized. You know, he's the type of guy who would have, you know, uh, an Excel sheet or a database on his computer, you know, with all Especially of this information. Nemesis, right? We, that's right. We'd have like every information about his chief enemy. Yeah, that's right. You know, someone who's going to one day take over. You know, uh, and and get that fine young man, fine young accountant to 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 leave Potter and go work for George. You know, <laughs> he's going to be asking George Bailey for a job. I don't think George Bailey has money to pay anyone else because it is a family-run business where there's four family members that are working in in the building and loan, and that's it. Yeah. So it's the uh, Uncle Bailey, of course, and then the the you have cousin the, the woman is. Cousin Tilly. Yeah. And then you have Cousin Eustace. Cousin Eustace. Okay. Right. But they oh, never establish both... how either of them are related. They're cousins. But, the, yeah, you know, okay. they're cousins. Does, does it mean that we don't either... know if they're Billy's kids or. My assumption is they're not Billy's kids. My, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming it's probably. assumption is that he's, you know, he's maybe a confirmed bachelor or something. Yeah. My, my assumption is, is that that um, they have like a sister who is the mother of uh, Eustace and, and Tilly. I mean, that that's my guess. Or yeah. maybe maybe they're even further uh, distant relatives. You know. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they're Billy's cousins. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, or maybe, maybe they're just like, you know, uh, close friends of the family. <laughs> and they just call yeah. them cousin. <laughs> you know, I don't know. But what, what Potter does here is he's continuing to paint a, a, a clear picture. And again, he's he's spot on about George, about everything. You know, and he continues with this minute by saying, and watch his friends go places because he's trapped. Yes, sir, trapped into frittering his life away, playing nursemaid to a lot of garlic eaters. Do I paint a correct print yeah. picture or do I exaggerate? So... I love his in- intonation. Or do I exaggerate? He somehow like makes the whisper like the large, the loudest part of his speech, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah I'm that. I'm very love surprised that, that that Lionel Barrymore, you know, didn't didn't get doesn't get more recognition for for the role he takes plays here. You know, yeah. Um, I I believe he is one of the best villains in 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 movies. You know, even even though there's, there's it's talked questionable, about it like, it's questionable if I believe that he, if he's really you know crippled. That's a separate issue. <laughs> I think he's faking it. <laughs> Have you talked about like the acting dynasty 
like the Barrymore acting dynasty? Um, we we've touched upon it, but we haven't gone into much detail about it. But if if you would like to, you're you're more than welcome. Yeah. To... So he's, I guess, he and his brother John Barrymore mm-hmm. were both uh, sons. Like their parents were both actors. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Lionel, I believe, actually. He didn't want to go into acting. He went to Paris to study painting, but uh, he wasn't successful as a painter. So he came back and uh, took up the family trade, which was acting. Um, and you, 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 like think he, his... you think he made the right decision on that one? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've seen a couple of the, his brother, John Barrymore's, his couple of his like leading roles i think his maybe just it's my what i've run across but he seems to be a little bit more easy to find his roles like he had i haven't seen it yet but he played uh, captain ahab in an early version of moby dick which wasn't even called moby dick i think it was called the whale but in this version like captain ahab was the good guy and he won like he actually defeated the whale so uh, that's always been on my list to watch and then he again john barrymore he played uh svengali was one that i've recently seen which was a compelling performance but it's very um it's it's very kind of uh an anti-semitic like stereotype it's almost like the uh Alec Guinness in uh, Oliver Twist mm-hmm. kind of level of thing, but uh, yeah, it's it's something to see. But then, so and then, uh, I think John Barrymore's son, right, was John was also John Barrymore. I forget his middle name, but then Drew Barrymore was then his granddaughter, granddaughter of so Lionel's grandniece, I guess. Mm-hmm. Correct, and 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 that's pretty much where the, <laughs> where the family dynasty ends. <laughs> yes, yes, and that and uh, that the reign ended during the writer strike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically tried to hire scabs for her talk show. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, yeah. we'll see if her career recovers from that. Right, his, his son was John Drew Barrymore. What a surprise, right? Okay. <laughs> And then, you know, he, he is the father of Drew Barrymore. But yeah, just, uh, I mean, you don't, as one of the greatest villains of all time, right, in this movie, this and his portrayal of it. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, have you ever heard the word frittering before? Frittering? Yeah, yeah. Frittering, frittering away. You're frittering away your time. Frittering away your resources. You know, uh, you're uh, it's just wasting, That's right. wasting stuff on mm-hmm. uh, like kind sure. of bit by bit, wasting it on stuff that uh, isn't going to. Uh, it's just kind of like a, a, a nuance of not having not thinking about it, like, you know, uh, wasting it without realizing that you're wasting it because yeah. it's, it's happening like a little bit of a time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I saw a whole bunch of different different interpretations of it, which they're they're basically all synonyms, but it's just really funny. It's either waste, misuse, misspent, spent unwisely, throw away, dissipate, make poor use of, overspend, spend like water, throw around like confetti, be prodigal with, be wasteful, wastefully extravagant with, run through, get through, lose, blow, splurge. Um, uh, what else? Uh, yeah, and that's it. So it's basically just wasting wasting the your time away. So he's saying that 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 George is wasting his life, you know, because he's trapped. He doesn't get to do what he wants to do, you know. And he gets to play nursemaid to a lot of garlic eaters. Have you ever heard that phrase before? I have not. Uh, I don't recall hearing it outside of this movie, but it's very clear that it's a slur, you know, on. Uh, on Italian Americans, okay, especially yeah. since we've just seen Martini, right? That's right. Uh, That's right. I actually, said there was like uh, I found an article like on the NPR's website about you know uh, about the use of this phrase and kind of the irony of Frank Capra. You know, he's from Sicily and he's making this uh, quintessential American movie, and then all of the Christmas carols that have become staples because they have been sung by Italian American sing- singers, so it's kind of or, uh, or Jewish singers. Articles, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah, got a bunch of those too. But uh, no, what's really funny is is when when I when I was when I started doing research for this episode, and I came across garlic eaters. So for some reason, my first thought went to vampires. So I started doing stuff on vampires, and then I realized, wait a second, vampires aren't garlic eaters. <laughs> vampires, <No>. vampires <laughs> need to stay away from garlic. <laughs> so then I looked up what a garlic eater was, and it was the first time that I realized that it is a slur against Italians. You know, <laughs> so, but it it was a very popular uh, phrase that was used in the first half of the 20th century. So, you know, at the time when this movie came out in 1946, uh, people were familiar with it. You know, I think that was what you would call, you know, an Italian-American at the time. You know, based based yeah. on the the research that I did. Nowadays, if you were to call someone a garlic eater, they would probably have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Yeah, it's like you'd be like, yeah, okay, you're I a garlic like eater, and you're like, food, okay, well, I do problem. like garlic on, you know, in my salad, and I like garlic. Okay, fine, I'm a garlic eater. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so yeah, but but he is so sure of himself with the way that he's. I mean, just by saying, do I paint a correct picture or do I exaggerate? That's right. <laughs> and then George looks at him and goes, now, uh, what's your point, Mr. Potter? He goes, my point. My point is I want yeah, to hire you. He dodges the question. He's like, are you, <laughs> are you, are you just <laughs> brought me here to insult me? Or do you have actually, you know, something to actually kind of, that's, you know, worth my time to be here? That's so. right. <laughs> and he goes, hire me. Uh, and he goes, yeah, I want you to manage my affairs, run my properties. George will start you out at $20,000 a year. So George is completely shocked about this. And how much do you think twenty thousand dollars from nineteen thirty four is is worth in twenty twenty three? I checked. <laughs> I checked. Okay. The, the Bureau of Labor Statistics website, which goes by month. So uh, I split the difference between nineteen thirty four and thirty five, and said, okay, let's okay. June thirty four. Okay. Twenty thousand dollars in June thirty four, and then. 
November 2023 was the latest month they had data for. Okay. And according to that website, it was 458,285 dollars and seven cents. Wow. Okay. So I mean, I use uh, the, the on the internet you can get the uh, inflation calculator. Mm-hmm. So I, I use that, and I my number is twenty thousand dollars higher than yours. So I mean, I got oh wow four hundred seventy-two thousand three hundred eighty-six. Again, it's a crap load of money. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's a lot. Yeah, you'd be very comfortable. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It'd be nice. You know, he's he's basically offering upper middle half, class even in today's America. <laughs> that's right. He's 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 offering him half a million dollars. I mean that that's yeah that's pretty amazing. You know. And and George, you know, at this point drops the cigar on the floor <laughs> and and starts and gets ash all over himself. I mean, he himself, you know, if someone were to were to say to you, okay, I'm you know, I'm gonna, you know, I want you to quit your job and I'm gonna give you half a million dollars a year to to do the same thing, but for me, you'd be like, Okay, sure. <laughs> you know, George yeah, George totally. that's right. George completely shocked about it. But I mean, I love the physical comedy of the whole thing of him dropping the cigar quickly picking it up and then like brushing all the ash onto the ground so that so his uh his current salary is what he said 45 dollars a week that's right? right yeah which would be what um about 2300 20, that's right i think it's 20 2500 more, 2340 yeah yeah 20, like 2500 let's let's for round figures right, right. so that's that's a tenth of like, what he's being given here. Yeah. It's like a 20th, right? It's almost like yeah, 20 times what he's making. No, right? ten, it's 10 times as much. It's 10 times as much. It if is, it's, if we're talking, if we're going from 2,500 to, to 20,000. Oh, yeah, 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 you're right. You're right. right. Yeah, you're right it's right. even a little less than 10 percent than, than 10 times. Yeah, but yeah. but still, it's it's a it's a nice uh, jump. It's but crazy. but my assumption is, is that the, you know, first of all, the the hours will be much different than what he's doing in the in the building loan. And what's worse is that he now will have to answer to Mr. Potter. You know, he's not the one making the decision. Yeah, I mean, it's now. not that's not. That's what that would be my next question is like, okay, when you say manage your affairs, run your properties, does like how much discretion do I get, right? Am I just following your orders or do I get to run things the way I think they should be run? That's right. If I I I want to go play pool, independence. That's right. If I want to go play pool with Ernie, can I still give him, you know, the loan? Right. I mean, can yeah, can I offer, you know, the mortgages that I want to offer and pull people out of, you know, out of poverty the way I want to do things? Or is, is Potter going to tell me exactly what to do? I, mean, I, is it, I, I think Potter's looking for a yes man here. You know, he's he just he's, wants to neutralize the threat. That's right. right. He doesn't want to actually harness the, uh, you know, the the ideas that George has. He wants to kill them. That's right. You know, his 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 whole point here is to, you know, uh, have the enemy succumb to him and let him still, you know, be in charge all all by himself. So, you know, he and and Potter is hoping that George is just as greedy as the next guy, you know, and is going to be willing to take on something like this. You know, that, that's what it comes down to. You know, I, I've, I've quoted Gordon Gecko many times. 
you know, in, in this season. Uh, Mr. Potter believes that green is good, and therefore, you know, he's hoping to use that in order to, you know, get George to, to uh, you know, get on the bandwagon, get on the Potter bandwagon. And then George goes, $20,000 yeah. a year. And, you know, at this point, Potter knows he's got him a little bit hooked. So he goes, yeah, you wouldn't mind living in the nicest house in town, buying your wife a lot of fine clothes, a couple of business trips to New York every year. New York every year. Maybe once in a while, Europe. Europe. (laughs) Yeah, the delivery on each of these lines is just. That's it. And he goes, yeah, you wouldn't mind that. Have you talked already about what is on Mr. Potter's desk? We've talked briefly about it, trying to figure out what it is. I mean, it's it's very strange that you know that that uh, s- that skeleton head. Uh, uh, what what possibly yeah. is a keychain? I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I I was managed. I did find like a couple sites that that talked about what those things are. I thought at first that skull, I thought that might have been like a tea infuser. Something that's what it looked like to me, like mm, something you know, okay. heavy stylized, but it's something you know. But I've seen those kind of metal balls, not a skull, but like a metal ball that you actually just put a tea bag in and kind of use it to dip, like seep tea. Okay. Uh, but that's not, you know, I, I found a couple, like I said, a couple websites that said this is actually a a death's head pocket watch, which I guess were popular for a while at that time. And then that weird thing next to it, like on the tray with the candle, uh, that is an old-fashioned letter sealer. Okay, that actually makes sense now that it, so I, you know. Yeah, so I can imagine you like using that to melt wax and, and that's like, right. seal a letter. Oh wow! That way, yeah. And and the the thing behind the the, the uh, skull, death head, that one I that don't one, know. I believe that that's that's the lighter that he used. To light up the cigar. Oh, okay. To light George's cigar. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, that's what that's what I, I'm pretty sure it is. But uh, but wow. Okay, I I didn't think about the fact that that uh, I mean I definitely didn't know that that was a letter opener or a letter sealer. Letter sealer. Letter yeah. sealer. Excuse me. Yeah. And um, like I said, I I was close by thinking that that's a keychain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keychain, pocket watch, you know, not not much of it. Now in the rever- yeah, and then when you when you uh, the wider shot, we see you know the glasses and the two pencils. I don't know what that that thing is, the uh, the thing in like on the left side of the papers. Maybe that's just a paperweight, but it's like the the it looks like a silver egg. Mm-hmm. I, I, that one I don't know. And then there's like a, a kind of like a trumpet thing looking off to the side. I, I wasn't able to find out what that is, but my guess is that maybe it's like a magnifying glass, something that he uses to read, mm, close and inspect documents. Maybe that was my best guess for that one. Oh wow! And on the left hand side, you see he's got like a stamp, you know, like for I guess uh, yeah, a stamp or like yeah, a you stamp know, or like a, a you know approved, or approved by by Potter, you know. Potter approved. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow, that's great. Thank you very much for for pointing that that stuff out there. Um. So I mean, once again, it goes back to the fact that Potter knows George. 
he knows what George likes. And he's trying to find a way to convince George that it's worth it for him to give up everything for these dreams. And I mean, it's ironic because throughout, you know, we're, we're, we're right now uh, 71 minutes into the movie and throughout the movie, we see that George is constantly saying, I want out of here. I want out of here. I want out of here. And he's finally given a, uh, he's given a ticket to do so. And he's not sure what he wants to do. Yeah. At the, at the cheap price of his own soul. That's right. That's right. And then he, he starts looking around and he goes, would I? And then like, <laughs> it's great. He looks behind him and goes, you're not talking to somebody else around here, are you? So, you know, it made me think of Harvey the rabbit, you know, that Harvey's behind him somewhere uh, in the room. <laughs> Who knows? And he goes, you know, this is me. You remember me, George, George Bailey. Bailey. And he goes, yeah, George Bailey. <laughs> That's the guy I'm talking to right now. George Bailey. <laughs> but he's, he's still, he's still in shock. He's not really, sh- he, he doesn't a hundred percent realize what's going on here. He doesn't know why yeah. Potter is so enthralled by him, which, which says a lot about, George himself, because George um, doesn't think, you know, that highly of himself and his abilities. And I think that's because everything that that he has always done, he he does without any effort. You know, this is all natural to him. Yeah, he thinks his his talents lie in engineering. That's right. And I guess... Even the though he still hasn't studied, have this, he still hasn't studied engineering. <laughs> yeah, he has the only clue that we have that he has any talent in that area was, it seems like it was his suggestion to put the pool underneath the gymnasium floor. Correct. I I don't know if he designed it or something, but you know whoever that that school that was the principal principal or principal yeah said like. Oh, George, got to see you. It was such a great idea to to put the pool on here and save us a building, right? So that may that's the only clue that we have besides the models that we see later that he has any talent for engineering. Yeah, but yeah, this is the stuff. This bookkeeping and you know just the everything running this the savings and loan is just. Uh, I mean, it's something. Yeah, it's just it's something that Peter Bailey alluded to. Really think about. You know, in the scenes that he had with his father, his father has already noticed that George is perfect for this type of work. Yeah. You, you know, have a talent. He says you have a talent for this or something. That's like right. That, right. That's right. Because he was working for him for two, two, three years or whatever it is. And and he already yeah. saw how George is is doing it so fluidly. Yeah. That's what I call the Uncle Owen scene. It's like <laughs> <laughs> just but that's a, just give me one more George, you know, James Stewart. That's a whole nother year. <laughs> that's just right. One more season. Just one more season. And then you can go waste time with your friends. <laughs> time will get the next harvest. You'll have enough money to hire some hands. <laughs> and you can go to a way to, to cut engineering school next year. That's right. That's a whole year from now. <laughs> You can find time to waste time with your friends. <laughs> it's funny that you gave me this week because I had uh, when uh, uh, I 
did the best years of our lives minutes, mm-hmm. I had a similar scene where uh, one of the characters came back, was coming back to his job at the bank. Okay. And he got uh, like a surprise promotion. Yes. So we had that week as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, of the best years. I, I think it's a great, well, it, it I think it's going to come up later this week. Is it later? Or maybe it's next week. It, well, it's, yeah, it's, it's either later it's this week or next week. That Oscar Oscar instead of no, this. I know that, but I'm saying within the the context of the movie, I have something that, that to talk about with uh, oh, okay. you know not not any uh, uh, discussions uh, you know for the segments that type of thing. Um, so I, that's pretty much all I have for for this minute. Do you have anything else for this minute? Uh, no, we covered my notes. All right, great. Oh, you know, I did. So I did have one other thing. Sure. Sorry. No, let's go back to my notes here. So I just had a question. Uh, I did a little bit research about, you know, I was looking at everything else in the office and I thought the light switch uh, looked, you know, that looks like exactly the light switches we have today. And I was curious, like, how, when did that, when did we settle on that design for the light switch? And I right. thought maybe the 30s was, I was expecting like maybe like a push button or some other style. But uh, the toggle switch that we see here was actually patented in 1917. Oh, wow. So we've had like the same style of light switch for for a long time. Yeah, seriously. Wow. I never even thought about that. Wow. Okay. But yeah, no, that's that's... I think that's my last note. For the I'm, I'm I'm curious for if, if we look throughout the rest of the movie, if we find those type of switches in other places, or is this something you know that only someone with the finance of Potter is able to 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 handle? Oh yeah, maybe. Yeah. So well, uh, yeah, I do have a note for another switch later in the week. Okay. All right. Well, we'll 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 we'll, Light we'll, switch uh, we'll highly anticipate it. Light switch week. Yes. Very good. <laughs> All right, great. So uh, every Monday we have a segment called Capra Monday where my guests will give their top five uh, Frank Capra movies. So, Richard, why don't you start with your number five and work your way up? Number five. So I I looked at his uh, biography and I found a movie that I didn't realize that he had done that I remember seeing. So my number five is Hemo the Magnificent. So uh, I think late in his career, he did a bunch of kind of educational films for Bell Labs. And this is one of the movies he did that was uh, about the circulatory system, about uh, uh, because hemo is Greek for blood. Mm. And it's very much in the style of the, you know, the the Simpsons love to make fun of these kinds of <laughs> of educational films that are that are shown in uh, in classrooms. And I remember seeing this film like in a classroom when I was maybe fifth grade. So oh wow, that's number five. Uh, number four is Mr. Deeds Goes to Town. So it's kind of debating. I think. It was kind of a toss-up between this and, uh, what is it, Meet John Doe? Mm-hmm. Kind of similar movies. But this one, uh, you know, but, I mean, they both start uh, it's Gary Cooper. Um, but this one has a great uh, courtroom scene. And I'm a sucker for a courtroom scene. And this is where 
people realize that uh, you know Gary Cooper's uh, character isn't as as dumb as he looks. So that's <laughs> that's a great scene. So that that edged out uh, uh, Michando. And then number three is uh, it happened one night, um, uh, which one of the early one of the I think not the first Oscar winner. Uh, but uh, one of the earlier. No, it was the, it was winners. like the seventh or eighth uh, year of the Oscars. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. That was nineteen thirty four, and the Oscars started in twenty. So this, yeah, yeah, it's uh, Wings, I think, was the yeah. first one. Right? Mm-hmm. But um, so in ha- it happened one night. Uh, in this movie, a a rich businessman hires a journalist to go retrieve his daughter. Uh, who's kind of run away in the South. And uh, so they have a lot of adventures. He goes, meets up with his daughter, and they have a lot of adventures coming back North, which happens to be the exact same plot of... Um, uh, of Gareth Edwards' first movie, Monsters. Mm, okay. <laughs> of course, in, in that movie... There's actually they have to travel through a zone of where there are giant monsters. So that's kind of that's kind of missing in Capra's version. But uh, when I saw Gareth uh, Edwards' movie, I was like, "What? This is this is a remake of It Happened One Night." Oh wow! <laughs> uh, yeah, is that acknowledged uh, as a remake or or not really? I it's I think it's my head canon. <laughs> okay, in my head canon. It's a remake. I don't think it's like officially, but. It's pretty obvious to me. Uh, number two is uh, Lost Horizon, which is uh, an amazing uh, picture. I think people have already talked about it on this in the, some of the episodes I've already listened to on this mm-hmm. on this season. Uh, I, th- I just remember, you know, when that one woman crosses like the threshold when she wants to leave. And uh, she crosses like the the borderline and suddenly ages. Yeah, it's one of the most memorable scenes that I think about like all the time. And then number one is this picture because it's one of the most. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life because it's one of the best movies ever made. Well worthy of the of the minute by minute treatment. So I commend you for for doing the taking it up with this podcast. Oh well, I appreciate that. Thank you. I mean, I'm I'm not doing it because uh, because because you like it. I'm doing it because I like it. <laughs> but it helps that you like it too. <laughs> yeah. You know. So, all right, great. Um, I I did look up in in IMDb and it does not mention it happened one night at all in anything dealing with uh, monsters. So, you know the oh okay the only the only reference in monsters uh the only movie that monsters references is apocalypse now so um yeah so you see we can add it in if you want <laughs> <laughs> we could edit that right now yeah it's well it's very simple to to add the information to, to imdb so yeah, but in this one, it's it's a photojournalist instead of like a newspaper reporter. But it's, I mean, it's yeah. Okay, but it's also it's basically 80 the years same later, basic so. plot is what it is. Yeah, 
Exactly. All right, great. So, Richard, you want to tell people where they can find you? Uh, yeah, you can go to my website, dunhamrc.com. It's D-U-N-H-A-M-R-C. And so that has links to my two podcasts, uh, Ghibli Minute and uh, Akira Minute. So uh, Ghibli Minute is a podcast I did with my daughter going through the Studio Ghibli movies one minute at a time. It's we made it through about three and a half, four and a half movies before that part petered out, and then aren't there, um, aren't there like forty? How many? How many Studio Ghibli movies? There are a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what we were thinking when we started that, but we did make it through. Let's see, Nausicaa and uh, well, if you use uh, if you use the inflation Pisa. calculator, so it works the same way. Exactly. Know? <laughs> yeah, we've we've we made it through like five thousand minutes. There you go, something like that. <laughs> yeah, and then Akita Minute is something I do with uh, a friend of mine who I met uh, through uh, doing Ghibli Minute, but uh, Jack Stovold who lives in Fukuoka. So yeah, it's kind of the same thing, going through uh, like Japanese animation and uh, going through uh, like all the uh, the nuances of the Japanese. Uh, but uh, Akita Minute is the R-rated version. <laughs> As Ghibli Minute is family friendly. Well, uh, okay, family friendly, but there there are some interesting uh, well, I mean, things that are going on in our podcast. <laughs> exactly, we, we keep our podcast. Ah, you're talking about the podcast. I'm sorry, I thought you were talking about the movies themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay, great. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Around Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter, and you can find me on my website, movearoundminute.com. So until tomorrow. Hot dog. Hot dog. We'll be waiting for you, baby. Hot dog. I love you truly, truly did. Life with its sorrow, life with its tears.